Today's sermon is entitled, The Call. The Call. Today I want to talk about the call that is on our lives. Let's focus today as we celebrate this season on this call. The call is like um, the, the thing that compels us to live. We talk about the call on our lives. We're talking about what makes us want to get up every morning to be who we are. This is going to be interesting, so stick with me. The call is connected to why we're here. Call is connected to our purpose. The call represents intentionality. It has specificity related to your uniqueness. Only you have a call for you. No one's call is identical. But each person today has a call on their lives related specifically to why you're here. That being said, Life without a realized purpose, if you don't realize your purpose, often leads to, unfortunately, suicide, misery, depression, and even hate. People who struggle with why they are here People who say things like, life doesn't matter. They slowly diminish. They depreciate themselves in value to the point where they convince themselves that if they weren't here, it wouldn't matter. And our world is full of many people like this today. Where people have lost focus on their call. And so what we understand, what I understand is that we need to preach the call again. We need to establish a clarion call and talk about the value of why we're here, our purpose, because people need to feel like they matter again. I can remember a time where I was in the middle of a room and I felt like I was so not acknowledged I remember mumbling under my breath saying, 
you know, I do exist. I, I am here. <laughs> when you don't understand why you're in the room, you let people treat you any kind of way. But now when I'm in the room, when I'm in the room with my wife, she tells me sometimes, she says, I, I listen at you walk around the house to try and study um, your mannerisms and your patterns so that I can be a step ahead of you to always be able to meet your need. Hold on, step, bravo to Joy, first lady. Woo, that's big. Who says that to anybody? Who says that? She told me that, so I'm not making this up. And so when we know our call and our purpose, then we don't feel unheard. Are you tracking? We don't feel overlooked and underestimated. So today, a call is often what makes the difference in getting things done. Watch this now. So we're still talking about action, being people of action. We're spending the whole year talking about being people of action. And so a call is what makes the difference in us getting things done. If you don't ask people to do things, the more likely they won't get done. Is that true? If you don't, if I don't say to my kids, get up and make that bed or, or go and take out the trash, it probably won't get done. And so God understands that he can't just leave us to our own devices to think about what actions we should take. He places a call on every individual. He puts a call on your life. He says, I want you specifically to do A, B, and C. The most completed tasks have a reason behind them. The most effective lives lived have a reason behind them. Are you tracking? So God has pre-selected each of us, Joyce, to do something specific, Shauna. And he gave each of us gifts to fulfill that call. So not only did he give us the call, but he gave us the gifts to be able to do it. So let's define a call a bit more specifically. This call, listen, now this call is not in reference to salvation. This is not the call to come to get saved. This is not the call of election that God chose you to be saved. That's not the argument. This is not the call to worship. Notice there's a difference in the calls. It's not a call to salvation, not a call to worship saying, come gather, let's worship the Lord. Full in the Psalms, the, the Psalms talk about come, uh, uh, come, let us uh, uh, worship the Lord together. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. An invitation to worship. No, but this is a call to a vocation. Uh, not a call to salvation, not a call to worship, but a call 
to a vocation, and vocation is usually connected to reason and purpose for existence, and it usually connects with what you're able to do. So when we pick a career, a job, a vocation, we usually connect that with our calling, that we feel called to spend 40, 50 hours doing something a week. So a call, watch this now, a call is a strong impulse toward a particular course of action. It is a strong thriving, a feeling from within that drives you toward a particular, here it is, quote unquote, action. I am, I feel led to do some things, especially, especially when it's accompanied by a divine conviction or influence, when I feel like God is pushing me to do something that is my call. And I want you to understand this. People often talk about when the preacher says, I was called to the ministry. In one sense, you know, they say, well, did God ask you personally? Did he call you and say, hey, Cherry, come preach? Not necessarily, but something, there is a proclivity, there is a bent, there's a drive, an ebb toward preaching from within. So it's not just that God called me, but one day I decided. <laughs> it is something or another where you choose to agree with what's passionate inside of you. It is not that God comes to your door and writes it out for you on paper, but you keep feeling something inside toward this particular career or action. And it is divinely influenced because you find yourself uniquely equipped and capable of doing that thing that you are passionate about. Oh man, this might be too much. So oftentimes when we are protected, watch this now, oftentimes let's say people say, you know, uh, I was in a car accident and I survived. But watch this. Oftentimes we are protected in dire situations. It is not just to protect you, but it is to protect the call on your life. And so many people are, uh, you know, fanatic about how special they are. And they, oh, God saved me. God protected me. Ah, God is protecting his call. He's protecting his agenda. In other words, God has looked at the decade of the 2000s and said, this is what I wish to accomplish. And before time even began, he mapped out your unique to-do list. Uh, and he gave you the equipment, the tools, and the resources to do them long before you were born and said, I want to make sure these get executed. So if someone comes try to kill you before your time, it is not necessarily that God is protecting you. Yes, he is, of course, but he's protecting the call on your life. But we must be preserved in protecting the call because the call cannot be done without us. Ah, you're going to miss it. So God having a call 
It's like me having a call. I'm just calling everybody. I'm calling people. I'm come, come in the house. I'm just calling people random. But if no one comes, what good is a call without the action? Come on, hear what I'm saying. There's a call that has an action with it. So when God makes a call on your life, he has an expectation that you will respond to it. So not only does he protect the call, but he protects you as well so that the call can be actionized. So the call is the vocation or the profession one engages upon. It is what one pursues in life. So the Greek word for it in the Greek, um, and we're going to be looking in Hebrews in, in in uh, Jeremiah, so we'll Jeremiah, so we'll be looking at the term from a Hebrew perspective. But the Greek word is kletos, and it is not so much that someone yells your name. It is not that God is saying, "Hey, Riri, hey, Tia." It is not that He is calling your name, but it is that you have been divinely selected or appointed. In other words, He has called you by establishing or placing your name, checking off you as the selected individual for this task. In other words, any project managers online, anybody familiar with project, anybody above target in their PMP. uh, So with project management, you select a task, you itemize the task, and then you assign a task. If you use Microsoft uh, Project, you have a template that lists the task and you can share that sheet with others to make sure the right people get assigned to the tasks. And so by selecting you, it is not that God is calling you. In other words, God doesn't have to pick up the phone and say, hey, Cherry, you got task number A. No, it means that I put your name by it. And when you see it, which means when you realize it, when you discover it, you realize that you have purpose and you have value. You have been selected for something. So here is what is important to note. What is important to note, uh, 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 um, um, Lawanda, is that you had nothing to do with the choice of that appointment, that you didn't create the task. You didn't wake up and say, I want to be a hair designer. You don't have anything to do with the choice of that appointment and you were equipped with or created with the desires and the tools to perform the appointed task. So watch this now. What I'm saying is that you didn't have anything to do with the call, but what you feel inside of you, the fact that you can relate to the call and you like the call, you have a passion for the call, don't misconstrue the fact that you have the tools to do it to mean that you created the the call. No, you are simply equipped to do the call, but God is the one who assigned you to the call. So you will learn that you had nothing to do with it because the appointment was made before you were born. Uh, Stay with me for a moment. But the thing about a call is that it It is from within. The call comes from within. It is not that we are walking around listening for audible uh, voices to call our name, but rather the call is calling 
Yeah, from within, I feel like eating greens. The call is something you usually had nothing to do with, but you can't help doing it. It's the thing that you can't live without. Ah, come on, help me. It is something from within that drives you to pursue it. And I'm ashamed to say that there aren't enough Christians in the world who have anything that they are pursuing. You think about it. You dream about this. And the closer you get to God, the stronger that drive and desire gets. The more refined and the clearer the urges become. So let's take a look at a passage of scripture that will help us imagineize, not a real word, but to really understand all of this that I gave you in understanding the call. And the call today will be looked at under the guise of the personification of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 1 verses 4 through 10, we'll read about his call, and then we'll take a few notes from his experience, and I'll help you have some practical points to understand your purpose and your reason for being here. If this is good, say it's good PC. Let's look at the text. The text says, then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, here it is, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. There it is. There's the call. He's ordained to be a prophet unto the nations. That's his vocation. That's his call. Verse 6. Then said I, Ah, Lord God. Now here's his revelation or his discovery of it. He's coming into it. Verse 6. Then said I, Ah, Lord God. Behold, I cannot speak. I cannot be a prophet for I am a child. I'm too young. But the Lord said unto me, say not I am a child for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant him. Now, let me just give you the context of this, that the people of Israel had been disobedient. They were bad boys and girls. And so God needed someone to share a message with the people of Israel that they were going to be experiencing some trouble from God. 
And whenever you're asked to give the hard message, you really need the right person to deliver that, right? You don't send oh nice little uh, Lisa to fire somebody, the receptionist who, you know, greets everybody. No, you need a certain type of person to go and deliver this message to the people. And so Jeremiah was the right fit. And what I'm trying to get you to see is that Jeremiah was about to be a prophet who was going to say some pretty stern things to the people of Israel. So what I noticed, let me give you just a few things about what I noticed from this text that will help us understand our own calling. Check this out. Number one, the call starts before you even get here. The call starts before you even get here. So what I'm trying to say, CY, is that what God has intended for you to do was already mapped out before you got here. So you don't need to question your existence and your value as if I'm trying to figure it out. It has been figured out in God. So if you want to know what you've been called to do, ask God. Go to God and help us understand it. Now, we know that it exists before we get here, but check this out. Because the text says in verse four, then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, before I formed you in the belly, before you were in your mama's womb, he said, I already knew about you. God, look at this, that God knows about Cynthia and Tony and Kevin and Sharon and Riri and Jonna. He knew before you were even born, before your parents were even impregnated and before you came Fourth, he says, out of the womb, he says, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. So here's what I want you to understand. The call starts before you even get here. So before you were even formed in the belly, God has already seen your life from beginning to end. That God has scripted a purpose and a plan for you. The jobs that you should be getting to. He has talked about, he has thought in his mind about the network of people and friends that you're going to connect with. Now, that doesn't mean that he has mapped out the life with perfection. He has, but remember, we have free will and we have choice. So even though God has planned our life, isn't it true? that sometimes we do the opposite thing of what God has called us to do when we should have been in school, when we should have been at this job or doing this thing, we were partying and, and having, and then God has already equated in the relapse, the the, the backsliding. He's, ah, oh God, he has already equated in the mistake, the wrong relationship, the wrong marriage, the wrong choice choice you made. He's already calculated. I know what they're going to do, but I will not interfere with their free choice. And God says, still, with all of your mess ups, I still designed the call anyway, because I have confidence that you will complete what I started in you. Oh man, I hope somebody is getting this. So the text said, 
The text said that he, before he formed me and before I came out, he sanctified me. And the word sanctify is the word used for holy, which means he set you apart. In other words, Tabitha, he earmarked you, Latanya, he earmarked you. He said, this is for this. He said, this is for this. And this is so when Joy is, we're going to decorate the tree and, and Joy is, um, she's a project manager, uh, extraordinaire. And, and well, uh, never mind. She will tell you this goes here and this goes here. No, don't put that bulb there, honey. No, don't put put this here. No, that goes. In other words, the stuff is earmarked. It's been set apart. Oh my God. When I go to the garage to pull out the stuff, you know, it's all laid out in colors and codes and the bulbs here and the bulbs here and the strings here and the lights here. In other words, God has looked at his world. He has looked at his creation and he says, Tabitha here, Kevin, Kevin here, uh, Lisa here, Tony here, Shauna here, and he has placed in the world people to accomplish the purpose. So in other words, before he formed you, right, he knew you. And then secondly, he set you apart and said, when it comes time, what's your year of birth? Let's say 1958. You were born 1958. There is your entrance into the world. You've been set apart till 19. Don't, don't, don't cause the, the um, creation until 1958. Nope, she's not Till 1974. Nope, she's not due till 1983. And so he sets you apart until your time to be revealed. And so we go through this growth process. Oh, this is so ridiculous. So God brings you in as a baby. Why does he bring you in as a baby? So you can start learning what he already formed years and years ago, the call that's on your life. You start discovering it as a child. And if you go to a therapist, a therapist, or a, a vocation counselor, will say, what are some of the things you like to do as a child? They will ask you, what did, what were your proclivities and tendencies? I was a creator as a child. I was standing on boxes as a child. I was speaking as a child. I always had something to say. So it is likely that I would make my living using my mouth and God knew it. But I needed a childhood to develop that. Thank God for Opal Lee Smith who taught me and wrote oratorical speeches for me all the way from the age of six so that I could learn to hone in on my calling. Ah, come on, somebody. So celebrate your childhood, appreciate your childhood, and even the bad that you've gone through is to help you discover the value of who you are. And so what he said, I sanctified you, and then he said, I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. In other words, the term ordained really means I gave you to the nations (laughs) to be a prophet. In other words, God released you, he determined what you would be. So before you were even formed in the belly, God had already determined that you were going to be an encourager, that you were going to be a scientist, that you were going to be an author, that you were going to be an administrative assistant, that you were going to be a boss extraordinaire, that you were going to be an entrepreneur. God said, I gave you to the world as this. Oh, you will miss that. I gave you, meaning I ordained you to the world as this. And so this call is extremely pertinent. It is extremely powerful in helping us understand why 
why we're here and why we exist. I got to go a little further. Check this one out. Number two, the call qualifies you. I love this about the text because the call qualifies you. But then the text says, watch this. He goes to verse six and he says, then said I, ah, Jeremiah has a retort. He comes back to God and he says this. He says, I said, I, oh Lord God, but I cannot speak for I am a child. God says, hold it, buddy. He says, say not, I am a child for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Now, here's what I want you to see. Jeremiah retorted back and said, I can't do it. In other words, he was saying, I'm not able to do what you assigned me to do. Oh man, this is so practical. I want to jump out of my socks because I don't have shoes on. But the call qualifies you. In other words, the call and the qualification has to do with are you capable? Somebody say capable. Somebody say capable. Somebody say, I'm capable. Ah, uh, that's it. That's it. Whatever God has called you to, you are capable of. So Jeremiah said, watch this, help me. Let me spend a moment here. Jeremiah said, I am a child. And even Moses, Moses retorted to God's call and said, Moses said, I stutter. I stutter. I stutter. How, how you going? How you want me to lead your people? And God said, don't worry about your studying. And Jeremiah said, I'm a child. I'm a novice. I don't know about speaking. I don't know enough about life. And many of you are saying, I'm not like so-and-so. I'm not like, and what you're saying when you say that, you're saying, I'm not capable of doing it. God didn't ask you to do it like so-and-so. God didn't ask you to speak like PC. He just asked you to fulfill the call that's on your life. And so God said, don't say in your heart that you're a boy. Don't say that you're a toddler or don't say that you're meaningless because what you're saying is is that you don't qualify. You're saying, I don't measure up. And here's where self-esteem becomes a problem, that people have lied to you or gave you misinformation during your development period as a child and you have grown up to be an adult to think you can't do certain things. I don't, you know what? I don't care that I can't fly a plane. You know why? Because I haven't been called to fly a plane. And so many of us try to argue and defend positions for which we have no association. One of my mentors told me years ago, he told me, I, I was telling him I was thinking about studying this or studying that. He says, well, is that, is that where you're going to go in life? He said, I said, no, I, I just want to do it. And he said, well, I would choose to focus on the things that you already have the skills for. Develop that, master that, and then add the extras. And so we find ourselves trying to uh, argue about things that we have nothing to do with. It has no relation to our life. It is, it, it, we're not going to use it. We're, it's not going to be part of our story. But yet we find ourselves arguing about something that has nothing to do with my future. And so God says, your self-esteem is off. It's been disposed. It's been misconstrued. And you're sitting 
at home thinking that you can't do it. And so God says, yes, you can. And so he turns around and says, you will go wherever I tell you to go and you will say whatever. He didn't say you might. He didn't say call me when you get in trouble. He said, in other words, watch this. He says, whatever I called you to, I've qualified and made you capable of doing it. So in other words, don't worry about qualifying. You will have access to go where I send you and you will say whatever I told you to say. And let me just say this for some of you. God wouldn't call you if you couldn't do it. I'm going to say it again. God wouldn't call you if you couldn't do it. That would be like God assigning a task to someone that he knew would fail. And God does not fail. Somebody say amen. If you weren't capable, he would not have called you. So let's go back. So God goes before, before you have been born. The call starts before you even get here. And then the call also qualifies you. So watch this. The fact that you are called is an indication that you are capable. Because the call doesn't come if they don't think you're capable. As a boss, I never ask anybody to do a job that I don't think they're capable of doing. That would look dumb on my part. So the fact that there's a call on your life already says that the call, if the call came, you're qualified for it. So the call starts before you get here and the call qualifies you when you come out. And so this is not about authority or position permission. We'll deal with that in a moment, but this has to do with ability. And that's all I'm talking about. The qualifications of your life have to do with what you're able to do. And God says you are able to do this. You are able to go. You are able to be senior manager. You are able to be a mother. You are able to lead this group. You are able to get this degree. And so God is saying you are able. Whatever God is calling. And what is the call? The call is what is inside of you. The call is the thing you can't sleep at night about. The call is the thing that you continue to pursue. And God is saying to you right here, I'm telling you on the camera that you're able to do the thing that you feel inside. The thing that you're trying to burgeon and to birth out of your life. God says, do it because you're already able. The call is qualified. In other words, you wouldn't be feeling it if I didn't put it in you and you didn't have the capability of doing it. So what you say to yourself What you say to yourself affects your ability. So don't go around saying, I'm too old. Don't go around saying, I'm too young. Don't go around saying, I don't have the degree. Don't go around saying, I stutter. Because what you say to yourself affects your ability. So instead of saying what you can't do, say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do it if God called me to it. I can. That's what you need to say. I can. And make sure that your can is associated with what you feel on the inside. The thing that God has called you to pursue. I got to move on. Running out of time. Time is ticking. Number three, the call protects you. So the call comes before you get here. The call qualifies you. But then the call protects you. As the text had to say to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, 
He says, basically, I've given you some tough stuff to say, and some people might not like it, and they might jump on you. So he had to say in verse number eight, be not afraid of their faces. I like that. He said, don't be afraid of their faces. Not necessarily their words, not necessarily their actions, but I'm telling you that things that you try to do intimidate you. The opposition often intimidates. Verse 8, keep on reading, keep on reading. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with you to what deliver you, saith the Lord. So God is saying, the call protects you. So with whatever God called you to, he made you capable to do. But he also said, if it gets tough along the way, I'll protect you. Why? Because his protection is that I'll be with you. So God never calls you without being with you to protect you because he knows everybody's not going to like you. Oh, I'm preaching right now. Don't be afraid of their faces. In other words, you can't be a Christian and be intimidated when they see you. Oh, this is what it's about, the faces. It's about, watch, what what does the psalm say? God prepareth a table before me in the presence of my enemies, face to face, eye to eye. God intends for your ops to see you and for you to see your ops. And he says, when you see see them. Don't be intimidated. In other words, God understands that people have control over us. And when we don't know our purpose, people try to tell us our purpose, which is their purpose. And if we're not careful, they will control us and intimidate us simply by how they look at us. And so we fear people who control us and dominate us and we never get to be us. Oh, God. And so God says, you've got to stand up in your own self. You've got to know who I called you to be and not be intimidated by what others say you should be. That's what gives you the character and the strength to tell mama and daddy, I'm a grown man now. I appreciate you telling me what I should do at eight. But now I'm 58 and I do not take direction from you because I have formed and developed into my own being. God, I wish I found some people online who would stand up in who they've been called to be and not be intimidated by their past or by friendships and old relationships that intimidate you with their look. When you stand before the crowd, Jesus was saying, God was saying, don't be scared to speak. In other words, don't be scared to be authentically you. When you stand before the people who you know got the goods on you, before the people who you grew up around, these are people Jeremiah was associates with. These were friends and colleagues and family members and associates that he walked with every day. And now he brings a word to say God is about to get you because you've been sinning. Tell somebody they've been doing wrong. Won't they get defensive? Won't they get argumentative? Even the counselors say, when you talking to your mate, don't say you did this. They say, well, I feel that uh, this is occurring because when people get the finger pointed at them, they get irate. And God said, when they get irate, don't be scared because I am with you. This 
implies that they might not like what you have to say. In other words, people may not like who you've been called to be. People may not agree with what you've been called to do. But God said, I will be with you to deliver you from any trouble that your call may produce or ensue. I got to be honest that some of the things that I've done as a preacher has gotten me in trouble. But it was God who was with me who reminded me, did I not call you? Did I not tell you to stand in that pulpit? Did I not tell you to say what I told you to say? Then say it. It doesn't matter if the people don't like it. They don't want me talking about money. They don't want me talking about sin. They don't want to tell them what I told you to say. And that's when God will stand up on your behalf. God ain't going to stand up for you if you won't stand up for yourself. God wants you to stand up and he says, I got your back. A lot of times I would get all tough when I knew my big brother was about 50 feet away. I always tell the story about the fight I had on the softball field on second base. And my brother came running out the dugout. When I saw him running, I was like, what? Now what? What? And my brother jumped in and tried to protect me. God says, I need for you to stand up to the things in your life. He says, I'll come running out of the dugout because I called you to this. And I won't let some sickness, I won't let some distraction, I won't let some ex or or some jealous friend keep you from being who I call I gotta move on. PC, this is too much. I can't tell it all. Don't be afraid of your calling. That's all I'm saying. You can't be called and then be scared to do it. You can't be afraid of your own story. You don't want nobody to know all the things you've gone through. God gave you that path for a purpose. And it is your call in life. So don't run from it. Face it, honey. Stand up to it. Yes, I was molested. Yes, I was raped. Yes, I went through a foreclosure. Yes, I went through a divorce. Yes, I lost all my money. Yes, I filed for bankruptcy. Stand up to who God is called because God is at work in all things. For what? For the good of those who love the Lord and are the what? Called. I'm preaching. Thank you, Holy Ghost. That are called according to the purpose that he gave them. So don't run from it. He says, I got to move on. This is the last one. He says, not only will it protect you, but the call gives you permission to act. Ah, shoot. You done gave me the keys to drive this Lamborghini. So God says, I I designed the Lamborghini before you even was able to drive. He says, I gave you the Lamborghini. You're capable of driving it. I'll protect you while you're driving it. And I'm giving you the keys and the permission to drive it. Look at that. I'm just using my own scenario. I want a Lamborghini. But look at then Jeremiah verses 9 and 10 of chapter 1. He says, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth after he shut me up and told me to stop saying I'm too young. He says he put forth his hand, touched my mouth, and the Lord said what unto me? He says, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. So he says then in 10, see, I have this day set over the nations and over the kingdom. In other words, I've given you permission. I've given you authority to do what? To root out, to pull down. That's what I told you. Got to pull out the sin. Got to root out. Got to pull it down and to destroy. You got to deliver a tough message and to throw down and then to rebuild and to plant. Oh, look at that. God never tears down without the intention of rebuilding. (laughs) Somebody to say, thank you, Jesus. So the call gives me permission 
to act. So when I stand to speak the hard messages to people, when I stand up to tell people the tough truth, God says, I gave you the order to root out, to destroy. I gave you permission to pull it down. I gave you the authority to root it up, yank it up from the roots. But I've also given you the tools and the power to rebuild it. Sometimes when I go to work as a consultant into startups, sometimes their policies and procedures are so bad, it doesn't help to repair or to build over them. You've got to tear them all out and you've got to replace it with new standard operating procedures, SOPs. and You've got to write new procedures and policies and put them in place. You've got to have new training all over. Some of us have got to be retrained and redeveloped and redefined and rebuilt. But you've got to remember that even though it's being rebuilt, it's not being rebuilt outside of the speck of the call that happened long before I was even born. God says whatever you're re-going through, it's still going to turn out to whatever I called you to do. Oh man. So God himself gives you permission to speak by stamping your mouth with his words. In other words, God gives you permission to do it because what you do, he put inside of you. In other words, he touched you. I like that song. He touched me. He touched me. He made my life whole. In other words, when God touches you. He gives you permission to do it. In other words, God don't stand and micromanage me. God is not standing over me and saying, well, let me watch him while he preach right now. No. God said, I gave it to him last week. I already gave him the word I want him to preach. Now go preach it. I gave you permission to whatever you give permission to do, you needn't watch and stand over it and micromanage it. God said, if I gave you the chance to be this person, I'm going to let you be it. So he gives you the script. He gives you the design. He gives you the desire. And it's okay. Why? Because he wrote it. The Bible says, if you love me, he says, you will keep my commandments. Or he says, if you love me, you can ask whatever you will and it shall be done. In other words, God says, I have so much confidence in your belief in me that if you do whatever I ask you to do, I trust you're going to do it because your relationship with me is solid. So God is not standing around saying, well, don't say that. Don't do that. Don't be that. Don't know. He's saying, just build your life on my solid rock. Live off the word of God and whatever you say, however you do it, I'll back it up because I've given you permission to be who you are. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. So what he's saying is he has authorized your speech. He has authorized your business. He has authorized your studies. He has authorized your scientific discovery. He has authorized your marriage. He has authorized your children. He has authorized your health. He has authorized your ability to think out the box. He has authorized it because of your walk with him. He has touched you on Wednesday. He's not afraid of what you're going to say on Friday because he knows that you spent time with Got to move on. Move, PC. Move. He gave you the highest clearance when you're operating in the calling he gave you in the government in the government they have different clearances there's a basic clearance there's a, a top 
secret clearance. There's a top clearance. There's, you know, astronomical clearance. There's level orange clearance. Now I'm just making stuff up. But um, there are levels of clearance. Watch this. Watch this. And with every level of clearance, it means you have permission, God dog it, to do stuff. So God was saying, I'm giving you the highest permission to be you. I'm giving you the highest clearance possible to be PC. And so don't you let anybody tell you you can't be you. That's a lie from the devil because I've given you the highest clearance possible. Can't nobody beat me being me. I am PC and I've got the clearance to do it. So when you're operating in your calling, he gave you the highest clearance. And what God is saying to Jeremiah, he says, I'm giving you permission. I'm giving you the highest clearance to root out, to pull down. Go do it, boy. Destroy it. Throw down, build up, and plant. He says, take out the old and replace the new. The people of God had been disobedient, and Jeremiah would be bringing the word to tell them that they are about to go into captivity. So if you have been called, beloved, you have been protected, and you have been given permission to be who God has called you to be. I got to give you this conclusion. I got to wrap it up. I'm within time. This conclusion and what I'd like to focus on in my conclusion is the intimacy of the jointness of this venture. The intimacy of the jointness of this venture and this action between God and man. I don't want you to miss this special dialogue between Jeremiah and God. I don't want you to miss that there's something intimate about God who stops by Jeremiah's day and says, let me clarify some things about your call. And I got to tell you this, Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. In other words, he cried so much. He cried so much. He didn't, he didn't feel comfortable with the things that he was saying. He was so disturbed. He wanted to quit. And this is what the call is. Do you remember the, the, the old phrase? This is Jeremiah. The phrase he said, it was like fire shut up in my bone. In other words, the call was so reticent. It was so powerful. It was so fire, F-Y-A. It was so fire in me. I wanted to quit, but I couldn't. And God says there's this intimacy. There's this jointness of a venture that even when we want to quit, there's a relationship between us and God that doesn't allow us to quit. So when I first read this, I envied Jeremiah. I was reading the text. I was in the bathroom and I was just reading the text and I thought to myself, wow, too too much information, I know. He said, I thought to myself, wow, but what a gift, what a gift to be so specifically and intentionally called. That's what I'm saying. I envy Jeremiah, but I was like, well, I want God to come tell me how I gave you as a what? I gave you as a something. It was intimate and I was watching them talk. I was eavesdropping on the dialogue between Jeremiah and his God, a young man somewhere the Bible says or the uh, commentary say in his early 20s maybe late teens he's just finding 
himself out and God chooses to talk to him. Oh, I remember when God used to talk to me at 18. And then I heard God say this, don't be envious, Cherry. He says, I have chosen you just the same. I just didn't write it in the book. And I came to some of you to say, don't be envious. He chose you just the same. And the love affair and partnership, the jointness that we can experience daily of being in God's plan is like being with him. To know that he called me is to know that he's with me. To know that he's with me is to know that we're together. So this love affair starts this genuine journey of me living out the call that God gave me before I was even born. And as we embark upon another season of Christmas, we can't help but focus on the one called and the caller. We can't help but focus on Jesus was called to die. He was called before the foundation of the world. God knew Adam and Eve would sin. He knew there would be trouble in Israel. He knew that Mary was going to be born. He knew Joseph was going to be the father. He knew that there would be a need for Jesus coming. And so God called him. He assigned him long before he even got here. You think Jesus popped on the scene just at the manger when he comes out of Mary? No, it was in the mind of God long before he even formed the earth. And I came to tell you, the one called is Jesus. He was called to this earth. It was his destiny. He was qualified to do it. He was protected in doing it. And he had all authority to do it. Don't you remember when they tried to kill Jesus before his time? The Bible says they came to stone him, but he snuck through the crowd because God was protecting the call. Ain't nothing gonna happen to you until God says it's done. Your call protects you. Come on, somebody. Your life is protected because of what you have to do. I can lay in my deathbed. I can lay in the sick bed and I can say I'm not done yet. If I'm not done yet, I'm getting up. There's an opportunity for us to exhaust the opportunities and the options that God gives us by the call he puts on our life. So we celebrate him because he is fulfilling his call. He is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God interceding for us. He came to earth, he died, he buried, he was resurrected. We had communion today to commemorate that. He's fulfilling his call right now. He said, if I go to prepare a place for you so that you can be there with me, he's fulfilling the call. He says, I'm building a mansion so that where I am, you may be also. He's fulfilling the call. He answers our prayer as our interceder. He's fulfilling his call. He's the great healer. He's the ambassador and the bishop of our soul. He's fulfilling his call. We're washed by the blood. Right now, we're forgiven of our sins because he's fulfilling his call. (sighs) Are you fulfilling your call? His call is wrapped up in an intimate relationship with God. That's why his call is so powerful. Because his call is built on his relationship with God. And Jeremiah was just learning that if you're going to be powerful in the call God gave you, you're going to need to be powerful in the relationship with the one who called you. So for every day that we don't act, the further apart we grow from God. The beauty and growth of our relationships happens as we act together. 
I just decided that Joy and I are going to do more praying together. Yes, we pray individually. Yes, she sees me praying on my knees. I see her praying on on her knees. But I feel like we need to do more praying together because there seems to be something that happens uniquely when we do it together. So when we find our call and we do it with God, when we do it together, I swear, oh man, if the church... If it wouldn't just be the pastor who does all the work, if the church would do it together, if the church would have the same passion the pastor does, they'd be inviting people, they'd be giving, they'd be serving, they'd be exploring, they'd be doing all. The church would blow up because we're doing it together. Whenever you try to live your life on your own, you're a lone ranger. And there is no power in that. Yes, you get things done. Yes, God hears my prayers individually. But I feel like when me and Joy pray, I feel like when we pray together, what does the Bible say? When two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. Is whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be, have already been loosed in heaven. There's something about doing it together. And I'm not only telling you that there's a call on your life, but I'm telling you, you must do the call with God. And when couples do more together, they grow closer. When you live your life with God, you grow closer to him. When you do things as a family, you grow closer. Yeah, you can be happy by yourself. Sure. People say all the time, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to go to church. Sure, you could, yes, you can find you. Yes, you could listen to Jesus on the record. But but when you come together, the Bible says, forsake not the fellowship of one another together. He says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for us to dwell together in unity. There's power when we do it together. God, I feel him. So when you get out and you execute God's plan for your life, the thing you have been created for, you'll grow closer to him and you'll learn I'm living my life together. Your actions actually draw him closer to you. For he told Jeremiah, behold, I am with you. When you go out to do his will, he will be with you. So I encourage each of you to not miss out on this opportunity to know God more intimately and deeply by simply executing what he has created you to do and be. Don't just go out there and do it and don't just work hard every day and every and just work, work, work. The closer you walk with God, the clearer the call becomes. We all have been called to action. And only our inaction can keep us from intimacy with God. When you don't act, I guarantee you, you aren't growing closer. Do nothing about it, and you'll grow apart. If something is a problem and you don't act on it, it gets worse. How can you look at this world and how it's falling apart and say, I care not? God says, I called you to make a difference in your lifespan while you're here on earth. In the middle of your dash is where you're supposed to act. Do something about it.
If you don't like it, do something about it. And you'll grow deeper in the God who called you to do it. But I'm scared they're going to go take They're going to get me. I'm scared. He said, I'll protect you. So I say today, don't ignore your call to action. I'm PC. And I gave it the best shot I had. That's all I've got.